Hey, welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sharon, and the host for this podcast. I truly believe that we work in the greatest industry in the world with some of the best people in the world. And that is exactly why I created this podcast. Each and every week, I will sit down with some of my friends in this business and people that have taught me so much. And it is my hopes with this podcast that we bring you content that will make you a better insurance professional. Today, I'm excited because I'm bringing on someone who has inspired me personally and professionally from my very first podcast. And I'm excited to bring to you Sydney Rowe. Sydney Rowe is everywhere. You may see her on Facebook, Instagram. You may see her on LinkedIn, YouTube. She is a marketing genius. She's the chief marketing officer at Be Atomic. She works tirelessly on Project Neon. She also has her own podcast called Be Atomic Airwaves. You should check that one out. I can't wait for you to check out our conversation. Without further ado, Miss Sydney Rowe. What's up, Sydney? I am super up, excited. Dude? I am super excited. It's my very first podcast, and I'm going to be super Ooh, real. I, I'm pumped about it. I couldn't be more excited to have someone like you on here because we've become friends just in the last, what, several months? And, mm. you know, I look at you and look up to you and the fact that you are the queen of all things social media, video, YouTube, and I want to be like you, so I'm starting my own podcast. So um super excited to have you on and i wanted to ask you how are you handling is your starbucks closed where you're at because where i'm at my starbucks are closed <laughs> and i can't get my coffee so I, I didn't know how you were handling that uh you know if I, it, I let's put it this way i'm not going through cold brew withdrawals yet uh okay. i i've I, I packed up the house like when when we got the news that zombie apocalypse was happening the first thing i did was fill the outside garage because it's still you know below 50 or whatever with jugs of cold brew so i'm pretty much stocked for the next three or four months um <laughs> i'm good to go yeah i heard you i heard you were drinking some coffee by the way how many cups you had now man I, i'm jacked up on about six so um uh, my dog wakes me up at like 5.30 every morning and wants to go out. And so I've been up for a while. Um, so I'm jacked up right now. And so, uh, again, being my first podcast, I don't know where to even begin on this. but Can I jump in for a sec? Yeah, if you want to. Let's do it. All right. I, I'm having a cold brew moment here because, like, obviously, you know, the typical situation with podcasts is like you got this interview host and he's got an interviewer on and, and you know, so, so you're the host. I'm the person who's being interviewed, but I won't flip the script for a sec. I'm going to take on the host role. All so right, watch all out, right. buckle your seatbelts. Everybody take a chill pill. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> hit me with like, this is your first podcast and I'm honored to be on it. Honestly, like I am, I, uh, it's a it's a big thing to be on somebody's first podcast, so I, I very much appreciate that, um, and I hope that I don't let the audience down here. Um, but hit me with like why you started this thing, because I'll never forget our conversation. I was sitting outside the UPS store and in my car, and it was like twenty degrees outside, and you're like, "Dude, I'm thinking about." First of all, you always say "dude," which I love. I was like, "This uh -huh. guy says dude twenty times a day. We're gonna be friends." Uh, <laughs> he's, you're like, "Dude." I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And I was like, do it. Yes, do it. 
And then we probably had three or four more conversations. And then all of a sudden I got an email, I'm starting a podcast. And I was like, let's go. Like what was going through your head, you know, that like three or four weeks ago and what's it been like? Cause a lot of people say they're going to do it and then they don't do it. Like what, what, was, right. what went through your head? Well, I have to say, you know, I live in Arkansas. And so for people that are listening, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. And here in Arkansas, I have a lot of agents that ask a lot of questions of how, how, what are other agents doing? Or how do you do this? Or how do you do that? Or what's going on in the world of technology? Or what's the best thing to put on YouTube? Or the best thing to put out there on social media? And I just started researching myself on some of that and started listening to podcasts like yours. Uh, and I'll put a plug out there for insurance guys, Jason Cass, Ryan Hanley, some of the guys I listen to. And I'm like, there needs to be a voice like that in the South. There needs to be a voice like that, that something needs to, to be said and something needs to be put out there. And I just thought I'd be the person to do that. Um, and so that's kind of where I wanted to go with that and just have a, a voice and a podcast to help people learn what's going on out there, I guess, if that answers your yeah. question. It does. Well, and I just, you know, you're, you are one of the most humble people that I've ever met, um, to be completely honest. And I think it's one of your strengths because you, you're just so, you, you have this um, ability to get people to open up and be vulnerable and you love on them so deeply and so authentically that I think when you said like, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast, uh, I was like, there's no better person who could be that voice. Like if there's somebody uh, who's going to be in that space and do it, like it's going to be you, right? And I appreciate um, you saying just, that <clears throat> because that's my thing. I, I love people. I mean, like I, I absolutely love people. And in fact, you know, I went to college and got a degree in Christian ministries. I don't know if you knew that about me. And I, I, I went into school to be a minister and I spent my first four or five years out of college doing that and loving on people and I was a youth pastor and I worked with their families and I found myself in a space where people just expected me to do good things or they expected me to talk about certain things because I was a minister. And for me, it took away some of the effect that I wanted of, you know, being this authentic person. So part of it was, like I said, it, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, the effect I wanted. So my father, I'm a second generation insurance guy. So my father was in the life insurance business, had been for 40 years. And I thought maybe I could start selling some insurance and help people that way. And I could still do ministry by selling insurance and helping people out. And so I started working with dad and quickly, you know, I became one of his top salesmen and got on, won a trip or two. And I was like, man, this is cool. I, I enjoy being an agent. And I, I got out of full-time ministry and started full-time in the insurance business back in gosh, Oh four, Oh three. So I've been at it quite a while now, almost 17 years. And as I started helping people, I got this jolt of energy from that. And knowing that if something were to happen to them, because not only do we sell life insurance, we did some other products that I knew that most of the time when people are in a claim situation, the first person they call is not their mama or their doctor. They call their insurance agent a lot of times. And I thought, wow, that's super cool. That can be a part of that. And then, you know, I butted heads with dad a little bit along the way, as you may have in the row agency. And I was just like, I, I don't, I don't want to work for dad. I don't want to follow in dad's footsteps. So I jumped quickly from life insurance to the PNC side. And 
you know, worked as a marketing rep and I fell in love even more with the industry from that perspective of working with agents and helping them to help their clients, helping them build their business. And it became just this, this joy for me of helping people build their brand and build their business. That makes sense. Dude, a hundred percent. Um, I did not know a lot about, uh, about those things. So I, I, that is like, that's amazing that that was, that's been your journey. It's been so focused on people. Um, I think you just keyed in on something that also makes you really special. And I think will make you a very, um, impactful voice in the, in the podcast insurance podcast field, which is you've seen the industry from so many different perspectives, right? So you have this care for people. You're one of the most humble dudes. Um, you, you get people to just open up in a way that not many people have the ability to, and you're coming at it you know, like a lot of people, they've been an insurance agent or they've been on the carrier side or they've been in the association world. And you have this ability to see it from all three perspectives. Like you, (laughs) you're literally working in insurance and married to insurance. Like there's no way you're getting out of this industry, bro. (laughs) Right. And that's something that I feel like every day I wake up in an identity crisis and I wake up, I don't know, because I have the mindset of an agent but I work for a carrier, a large carrier at that. And then on the flip side of that, part of my story is back in 2008, so three or four years into my career, I was asked to be on the board of directors for the PIA locally here. And I was the only marketing rep and a board full of agents, you know, and for me to get to see that perspective and to work with agents in a room mm-hmm. every you know quarter, we'd have these meetings and I'd get to get involved in that. And again, just got me more jacked up and I realized, and you were on the association side with agency nation with trusted choice and all that, you know, as well as I do, the more you get involved in those things, the more you get out of it. And the more that, you know, you're going to grow in your career. And so I dove headfirst into it and got to work behind the scenes with agency principals from, you know, 25 million premium all the way down to, you know, just starting up, you know, and, I got a whole different perspective. So yeah, you're right. I was an agent first and then became a carrier rep. Then I'm working in the association world and planning events and doing golf tournaments and getting involved in that. And I figured out again, as you just called me humble and I'm going to say this about myself, I figured out my superpower is networking and loving on people and getting involved in that. And the more I got involved in the PA, the more I got behind the scenes and pulled that curtain back and got to be involved in that, the more I saw my career flourish and I got, I began to get more job offers and get to help more people and got to do this and that and learn more. It was Mm. just exhilarating. Mm. Dude, the insurance industry better watch out. Like y'all don't even know what's about to hit you. So as I'm involved in the agency or the association world, you know, I quickly became vice president and again, no other company rep, and our state has done that. Yeah, it is unprecedented to have a carrier rep on the board. But I guess I'm guessing they, they were down with that because you had that agent experience. And I mean, you clearly are like incredibly vocal and about how much you care about agents. Like, right. I and couldn't imagine anybody questioning that. And that was the thing that it didn't. And I expected to get pushback from other carrier reps and other people. But yeah. for me, like I said, I just dove like as hard as I could head first into it. And I wanted to give back so much and I'm still young. I'm 28 years old at this point and still learning about what I'm doing. 
and where my career trajectory is going to be, if it's going to be carrier rep, I'm going to go back to the agency side. And I wanted that so bad to be in the insurance world, but I didn't know what space I wanted. Like I said, identity crisis. I didn't know where I wanted to be. And so getting involved in the association level, I could do all the above. And the more I networked and the more I got to know more people, it became just one of those things that people, and my wife tells me to this day, she hates going on dates with me in public because everywhere we go, I run into somebody I know. And she gets mad if we go to the grocery store because I'm going to stop and talk to 35 people before we get out of the store. And she's like, dude, I just wanted to go get milk and get out of here. Dude, that's powerful. Because I, I mean, like I said, I think typically, you know, you're coming from one one perspective, which is a superpower in, in and of itself, right? But the fact that you've got all three, it's like, I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear who you've got. I don't want to like, I'm assuming you've got like a list of like a hundred people yeah, as Mr. Networker. Like that's I've by the it. way, the one thing, this is the one thing podcasters struggle with, by the way, is like getting the list of people to interview. And you probably, before your first episode, you probably had a list of a thousand people. I've got, I've got a strong list. I don't know if they'll say yes or not, but I wanted to start with <laughs> Sydney Rowe. Hey, that brings me another question. I'm going to flip it back on you for a minute. Is it okay. Sid or is it Sydney? What do you prefer? Uh, if we're friends, it's Sid. Okay, well, good. I assume that. So we're friends then, because I've always called you We Sid. are. We are. <laughs> I've never known any better. It's either Sid or dude. So Exactly. Well, dude is like, we're like, we're like bros at that point. Like, right on. Right on. Yeah. I, I fell in love with, with that aspect of it, too, knowing that not only am I going to go and just shove reports in front of somebody and say, here's your numbers, and I need more business from you. It became a thing where I was becoming more of an advisor for people and to say, you know, if you're looking at this, I would do this or I would do that or join this association or get involved in this line of, of work or chamber of commerce or whatever it may be. And people looked at that as, you know, I was providing more value than just being a marketing rep. And I hate that term marketing rep, whatever you want to call it, that we just walk in and shove reports in front of people. And that's all yeah. we're good for. There's so much more that I want to provide as a marketing rep for people. Does that make sense? Uh, Dude, a hundred percent, but not everybody thinks like that either. Right. So I think, uh, I think what you're doing is not just, I mean, in a way you're going above and beyond, but more importantly, you're redefining that role. Like what does it mean to be a marketing rep? Right. I mean, you're, it used to be, uh, you know, while just tell the story of the carrier to, the agencies in your given region or locale, right? And you're saying, well, wait a second, how about we tell the agent's story too and we help the agents build out their story and empower the agent's story, not just tell the carrier's story. Exactly. And I wish that I could have a, a, some sort of meeting or a lunch and learn with marketing reps to say, let's not do it the old school way. Let's not just sit down in front of people and tell, okay, here's what we want. You know, here's what we can do for you. Here's mm. instead of going and say, hey, how can we help you to grow as an agency? How can we help you, you know, to do better, whether it's processes or different products and different ideas that you may have? Or, hey, do you know what, what's going on with Neon? little plug for Neon there. Do you know what's going on with this or that product? Um, I think that that to me is more valuable to an agent than just shoving your brochures in front of them and saying, Hey, we want to write this this month or that this month. And so as I'm doing that as a carrier rep, I thought 
to myself, I could do this myself. And so mm. I jumped out of the carrier world and got back into the agency world and started working for a small agency here in Little Rock. And I'll tell you, a year into it, and you'll know about this, but I was sent to a program called Pace Setters. You're familiar with Pace Setters? State Auto? Yes. And that's a, yeah. Yeah, a, yeah. another plug for State Auto, which is my competitor. They, that revolutionized and changed my whole sales techniques, my thought processes mm-hmm. and everything, because it's such a great program. And it yeah. taught me like just day-to-day operations and what to do and how to cold call and how to get back into these things and what technologies to use and taught me how to use Salesforce and got me into this. But during the process of that, and I did really well and I was in the top 10 and I got to go on a cruise and do all that. So by agency measures, I was successful. I didn't fail at it, but while I'm doing that and I'm in a room for two weeks with 40 plus agents I mean, I'm finding myself gravitating more towards trying to help them sell than helping myself sell. And they're calling me during this process saying, Hey, you know, I saw that you had 47 yeses this week. How did you do it? What's your process? How did you go through that? What was your cold call technique? And they had contests. And if anybody's listening, that's been through pace setters, you'll know what I'm talking about. But every week they would have little contests of this week, we're going to cold call HVAC contractors. And this week we're going to do plumbers or this week's this. And it would be a thing where they would track your results. And every week people would say, Hey, how did you do that? And I found myself helping them more. So funny story is two years later, as soon as I got off that cruise, I, I jumped right out of <laughs> the agency world and back into the carrier world. Cause I just found myself gravitating more towards helping agents and mm-hmm people thought I was crazy because I was doing pretty well and I was growing a good book and a good reputation. And it just, one of those things I had to, I had to do it because I had to follow what I love, which is helping agents and helping people. And so again, which you're, dude, you're a go. go ahead. By the way, being in the top 10% of, of the pay centers program, that's no small chops. Like that, that's actually a really rigorous program because it's not it really just about is. learning. It's about executing. And if you don't, from what I understand, and, and correct me where I'm wrong here, but I think if you don't execute, you you drop off at a certain point, right? So you, you actually can get booted from the program, which I've never heard before. Normally it's like, here, go to this class, learn some stuff, take a test. There it's, yeah, learn some stuff. Okay, now go do it. Oh, if you're not doing it right, you're out of the program. Like that's Ex- huge. Exactly. About, I don't know, 30% of my class ended up booted or dropped out or quit. And I just, first of all, I ain't no quitter. Um, so I, there's no way I was getting out. I, um, I think we need more people like you in the industry to be totally honest, because it is, you know, it's also no small feat to be an agency owner in 2020. There's so much going on. I mean, now look, we're in a world pandemic. Um, oh my gosh. And I think a lot of agencies are struggling with, you know, Whereas I had the ability to like rely on that physical collaboration in my, in my office, I could rely on the physical community going to networking meetings and meeting people that way. I could rely on the physical, um, you know, uh, communication with my clients, meeting, shaking their hand, getting to build that relationship. Like how do you build relationships with people when you can't see them? 
how do you keep your business running if you can't see your team every day, right? How do you, it's a really tough spot, right? I mean, and, and I know things will go back to normal, press my fingers here, knock on wood, like eventually, right? But like, in, in the, and the tough part is as an owner, like you're having to deal with all that plus all the typical like, you know, leadership, ownership, management stuff that goes on. And it's just, it's really tough. It's really tough. Right. And I was going to actually flip that on you to say, because I know you, you travel a lot and I can't ever get a hold of you sometimes because you're always in meetings or you're always on the road. And in fact, I remember I texted you not too long ago. I got my butt hurt and I was like, dude, you never respond to my text anymore. And I know it's just because you're busy, but how are you handling that yourself when you and Seth were just rolling Seth Zaremba, who I'm referring to, and seeing people and talking about, you know, this whole neon things you've got going and having carrier meetings or having agency meetings. Now you're at a complete halt and you're at home now quarantined. How are you, how are you handling that? Yeah. Um, so having three kids and two dogs in a 1700 square foot house is a little rough sometimes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we are getting very close. Um, uh, I think now that that schools have started sending us some, you know, structures, some stuff for the kids to do. It's been a little better, but man, I don't know if you felt this, but like it was insane in our house for the first week. Just kids were like, no school. We could do whatever we want. And you know, we're trying to like do our jobs. <laughs> was I the uh, only you're one? You're right. No. And I feel like I would totally fail at, are you smarter than a fifth grader right now? Because right. <laughs> Dude, that yes. is some tough math and science. And I'm like, what in the world? But yeah, um, and I think I, you're right. You weren't the first one. That first week, it was tough having to work from home and, and do homeschool, Dad. Um, it was yeah. definitely difficult. My wife's still going to her office, praise the Lord. Um, otherwise, there would be another body in here that would have to do this. And so, you know, it, it was tough, but we've settled into that. But it's still... I know for me personally, I miss seeing my agents. I miss seeing people. Mm -hmm. I miss being out and about. I go to the grocery store just to see people. Um, and I know I'm supposed to stay six feet and stay in the house, but you know, I'm just praying we run out of milk. So I can go to the grocery store and say hi to somebody. <laughs> and it's something that I'm struggling with. So I, again, I flip that back to you. How are you handling that? And what are you doing? And maybe mm -hmm. um, give me some insights on what you think some agencies should be doing. I'm flipping it back on you now. How you like that? <laughs> uh wow all right that's a big question man um you know we have really buckled down on process actually in at the atomic so i think whereas you know before we were i mean we're three people trying to start a company that's a, that's it, there's a lot of work to be done and and i think we're all being stretched into areas that aren't our strengths and we need even more communication at a time like this, right? I think whereas before you could sort of like rely on the water cooler conversation, when you don't have that, you've got to be like overly communicative. So I think we're, we're, we're stepping back and saying, okay, we need to schedule more, you know, weekly morning meeting. We have, um, and that's just sort of like, okay, what's coming up in the day and what roadblocks are coming up against us. And then in the afternoon, you know, three times a week, we've got more business process meetings. So we're working on documenting the onboarding process for a pilot agency, the onboarding process for a pilot carrier, the migration process, the, um, you know, what does it look like 
what are the steps, what is the experience that somebody's going to go through and how can we handhold and not make, you know, not let people feel like confused or what's happening next or what already happened. Um, let me, let me pause for, you for a second. Can I, can I jump in for just a second? Cause yeah. you said something that my wife and I call is, you know, insurance buzzwords, but you brought up the word processes now a couple of times. And right now yeah. during this pandemic, that's been thrown around a little bit and people are having to adjust to a new way of life and processes. Could you, maybe some of the insurance agencies that are struggling out there, small or large with processes, maybe dive into that word a little bit more and give me, give them some tips or some ideas or some strategies on developing new processes and what that means to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so a process is, uh, is just a set of actions that your team is taking in collaboration with the customer or the carrier to complete an effort and and every agency has a set uh you know a set number of efforts that they're repeating every single day billing claims renewals uh quoting requoting we're all doing the same thing we all do it a little differently right you, you might have a slightly different process than or set of actions than somebody else but we're all basically doing that those uh, we're all trying to accomplish those efforts for the customer. The, the business sees that as a process. The customer sees that as an experience. So it's the same thing from two different perspectives. And, you know, the, the process is it's really important to hone in those set of actions for your team so that the team member knows what to expect. There's clarity around, hey, this is what it means to get the job done. And also for the team to understand where the agency is at, right? So is, you know, is one person in the agency um, working overtime because they've got so many efforts that they're trying to do at once and hey, this person over here is, you know, a little bit less burdened. Is there a way we can shift some responsibility to help the agency continue to perform for its customers, right? So that's why it's really helpful to clarify that process. On the customer side, it's really helpful because you've got to understand the experience that somebody's going through. And if you don't know the process, you don't know the experience. So, um, yeah, I would say just, you know, my, my dad used to, um, when I was working for him, he used to write out his processes in like a white notebook and then type them up and put them in a three ring binder. And every time we would get a new employee, he'd set that process book down. Like, here's what we do. This is what we're expecting of you. Right. And that was great back in 1990. Um, now in 2020, we have the ability to digitize those workflows. And so I would, I would urge an agency to consider, you know, as you're thinking through, um, as you're thinking through the, the operational side of your business, um, especially in this, this, the three ring binder is great if you can go down the office and, and say, hey, how's it going? And you can see the person and work with them and sit down next to them, right? Right now we're in quarantine. We don't have the ability to do that. You can call them up, but there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of agencies are blind to what's going on. And so if you can, if you can think about building a tech stack or you know, that, that digitizes those processes, I think you're going to find a lot more clarity for your team member which gives them confidence because they know what to expect or clarity as an owner to make sure you're shifting resources and still running the agency smoothly and more clarity for your customer because they know what to, what's, what's going on. I don't know. That, that might've been uh, no, that was, on my soapbox. But. No, that was awesome. Um, that was really awesome. And I love that 
again, we have so many more things in common than I ever expected. And, you know, knowing that you started off in your father's agency, and I love that you referenced that because there's still things to this day. My father is 76 years old. There's still to this day that I refer back to even his old school methods. So the, the three ring binder thing, that's super cool to know that he was doing these kind of things before it was a buzzword or a processes or a digitizing, whatever. He was doing that before all that. And He's so the OG. that's right. And I'm sure there's still to this day things that you recall back from working for him. Correct. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And, absolutely. He's yeah. And, and that's one of those things that I think is super awesome. But again, you mentioned, and again, if you're listening to this podcast two years from now, the pandemic's over, I hope. But while we're in this now, let's be relevant right now. What are some things you feel like forward facing that agents can do? Because you, like I said earlier in the podcast, you're the queen of all of these things, social media wise and YouTube. What are some things you could tell an agent right now? Because here again, my first podcast, I'm jumping out and doing it. Uh, what are some people they can say, okay, I can do this today. I can jump out there and do this. Can you give some some ideas on that? Because you are the queen of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say a couple things to think about are think about your web presence, right? So your website uh, is the first. That's your foundation. That's like your. It's equivalent to your your building, your office, right? It's just a digital building that sits out on the internet. Um, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Does it does it talk about your why? Does it, um, you know, does it does it clarify for the consumer who's just coming on board what next steps are, you know, um, are those call to actions really clear? Does it have information that educates the consumer around what you do? Um, so I would think about the, you know, the website first and then think about um, how you're going out into this online ecosystem and, and creating attention for yourself. If we're comparing your website to your office, all those efforts that you take to go to networking meetings, to, to call people, to walk doors, to cold call, right? What does that look like online? So I'd say think about social media, right? Think about posting articles, answering questions that people have right now. Um, a lot of restaurants are wondering if, you know, they can deliver and what, what does that mean? So, right, so uh, uh, hired and non-owned coverage. What is hired and non-owned? How do I get it? What does it cost? What does it look like? Cyber insurance. You have a lot of employees working from home right now. There's more risk involved, right? So can you answer some questions for people around that? Writing articles is huge. Um, and then post them on social media. You know, do a video, share it on social media, and, um, you know, that'll be picked up by your friend group and hopefully shared by them, and you'll reach people you haven't met in the same way that you go to a networking meeting and you're like, hey, you know, my name's so-and-so and you meet one person and then, it, hey, have you met Tim down, you know, in the corner over there? Like, he's awesome. You got to go, right? It's the same thing. It's just online versus offline. So I'd say be really active. You know, think about this as a time to, to if you haven't been active online before, um, start taking those steps. Start doing the work. Start, start thinking about, you know, how I can reach people online and really use use social media and all those different outlets to boost your, your presence and, and what you're doing. Now, would you say for a small agency owner, would you say using Facebook is your best option right now and boosting on Facebook? Or would you say Twitter or 
Instagram or LinkedIn, or would you say all of the platforms and would you post the same thing on each one or would you tailor different messages for different things? Let's get real elementary. Yeah. Well, you know, every platform has a little bit of a different um, soul. So LinkedIn was created with a mission of helping business professionals connect. So, you know, I think you're going to see more professional conversations on that platform. People are in that mode when they're on that platform. So, you know, how can you have, how can you reach out to people when they're in that mode, right? How can you create content that affects them when they're thinking that way? Um, I think answering business questions is huge for that. Facebook is a little bit more, you know, it's more, um, it's, it's more social, right? It's more like, hey, what's, I want a behind the scenes look at what does it feel like to be we're operating a business from home, right? Wait, what is there a picture like of you and Santa Christmas pants on the bottom and a suit on top? Like, right. I mean, dude, by the way, that was classic. The tuxedo top and the sleepy pants <laughs> bottoms. Dude, I love that. But it's like, everybody's doing that. Right. So there's right. no shame in, you know, um, sharing it. Uh, Twitter's like 140 characters. You know, what can you say in 140 characters? It's, uh, you know, catches somebody's attention. You can share links and videos on Twitter. Um, and Instagram is very visual, right? So again, kind of like Facebook, it's like more, more that visual experience of like what it's like to be operating a business, um, online. But I'd say, you know, I mean, every platform has a different soul, but you know, you probably have a different presence on every platform. So if you prefer one or the other, just go hard on that right? Go hard. And if you feel like you've posted more on LinkedIn in the last three months, just keep dive deeper into that. Explore that more, share more, talk more, comment more, engage more. Right. And would you suggest to agents that they spend money to boost posts on Facebook or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> it's just so weird that we bring this up. So I haven't really done a lot of Facebook advertising for Be Atomic in the last seven months, just because we don't have a product yet. So I don't want to spend money if I know I'm not selling anything because I'm not going to make money off of that advertising. Now I will create awareness, but I was pretty confident I could lean into my reputation and the network I'd already created um, initially in those first couple months and save some money. So I, I did do that. Now, funny enough, yesterday I did create an ad on Facebook and I think I put 50 bucks behind it and it's got almost 300 uh, engagements, right? And I've made three appointments for Beatomic conversations off of that. Okay, there you go. So that said, I think I was averaging, you know, 10 engagements and really not getting a lot of heat off of Facebook before advertising. And then since I did boost it. So I think that just goes to show like Facebook is a pay to play platform. So right. if if you if you want to if you're looking to create more serious engagement you're going to have to be more serious about you know what you're spending you don't sure. things don't come for free and, so, I, and i recognize and i know other agents probably do too but if not maybe you can help me testify to this but i've noticed in my own posts on facebook when i was an agent and even now i can post a credible article that I shared or an article that I read that was really industry related. It was great and get 10 or 12 likes. I could post a picture of my kid or my dog or my wife or something personal and it'll break Facebook for me. And I, sometimes that's frustrating for people to understand because they think, Oh, I shared an article. 
I should get sales off of that. And so uh, do you have some advice on that of creating original content and can you testify to that or am I wrong? Yeah, no, dude, you're not wrong. Um, virality is a slippy slope, slippery slope, right? I think of, um, I always think of this uh, image that I saw when I was in like elementary school of a Greek god, and he was like, "This is so random." Just stick with me for like three seconds. Dude, he's, I love random. Let's do it. Dude. Let's do it. He, so I think his name was Narcissus or Narcissus or something like that, and it's this image of this dude, uh, like this Greek god dude. So he, you know, he's barely clothed. And he's standing over this pool of water and he's staring at himself and eventually like fall, the, the story is he falls into the pool because he's just staring at himself and he drowns, right? And it's just this idea of like we're, it's like we, um, virality is a, a slippery slope because it's almost like us seeing our own popularity, right? All those likes and engagements. Um, and that's great. And I think it's, it's great to see views and it's great to see likes and comments, but those are all vanity metrics. At the end of the day, what you want to see is booked calls and closed and closed sales. You want policies on the books. So if you get 50 views, but you get three bookings versus 200 views of your dog and no bookings, which one was actually more profitable, right? So don't, it's not about the, people will come to our YouTube channel and they'll, they'll be like, Oh, we only, you, you only got like a hundred views on that video. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what else happened, right? Those hundred people that were watching were our target market. So yeah, I mean, keep, and, and here's the other piece of it, right? It's quantity. So sorry, I'm, I'll stop talking here in a sec. It's quantity, right? No. Okay. It's quantity. So it's like people also think I want to post an article on my website and then I want to be in the top spot of Google. Tell me the, tell Give me one example of walking into a networking meeting for the very first time. You don't know anybody and everybody freaking loves you. It Every doesn't time. happen. Every <laughs> single time. Are you kidding me? I'm just kidding. No, you're right. You still have to do. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. It's reputation. You're building reputation. If you've never posted an article before, dude, talk to me in, in like six months when you've been posting articles every single day. Right. I mean, that's, that's the level that you've got to get to because it's, it's the same thing as showing up at those networking meetings and showing up at those doorsteps and it's building that reputation and you're just doing it online. So you right? would say, cause I have the same issue and there's times that I I'll post something. If I don't get enough likes or enough views, I'll delete it. But what you're saying is on those YouTube videos that maybe you only got 16 views you're saying consistency and persistency and stay in front of people regardless of the amount of engagement until you do build that audience, correct? I want people to come to our YouTube channel and see 30 videos that each have 250 views versus one video that has 10 million views. Does that make okay. sense? Like, yeah, it what, totally because does because I find a lot of agents and a lot of companies that I've worked with, business owners, they want to chase that viral video and they want to get that huge engagement on one post and it's like I, i'm with you i'd rather have a ton of videos with 25 views that actually were impactful instead of that one of my dog chasing its tail 30 times or whatever it may have been yeah yeah exactly well it's almost like it's the same thing as saying like i want i don't want one five star google rating i'd rather have 64 stars than one five star 
right? Like want, because what it shows is consistency and reputation and authority and expertise versus virality. You, if you're chasing virality, you're chasing the wrong thing. You got to do the work, right? So that's that, I guess that's my mindset. And that's what I would urge people is this is the time to get involved online. If you haven't before, it doesn't mean you're going to close sales tomorrow, but it does mean you're doing the right thing and you're building a foundation that in three, four months, when this pandemic does turn, take, a, take a turn and it does start to, you see that downward slope, you're going to come out of this way more prepared than the guy who just continues denying that he needs to be online. So right? don't, don't, what you're saying is don't sit there and wait for business as usual, adjust to the new normal and get involved yes. on social, right? Jump in. I love you. Oh, I love you. So... <laughs> Um, we may have to just say stop right now on the podcast because I just kind of love you from Sid Rowe. Um, so I'm so glad you were on the podcast today because there's so many things that agents can learn from you. And I can sit here and rap with you for another hour or two because there's so much that agents from across the country could learn from you. And I appreciate your expertise. I appreciate you taking the time to help my audience get to know me and get to know you better. Ah, oh, dude, I appreciate it. Honored to be here. And uh, for all those listening, you guys better keep tuning in because this podcast about to blow up. What? what? <laughs> I sure hope so. Hey, dude, uh, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Hey guys, thank you so much for visiting Insurance Town. I truly appreciate it as it was my first podcast. Super excited. And if you really liked what you heard and you want to hear some more, subscribe to my podcast, invite your friends, tell other people about it. And I also want to let you know that Insurance Town is produced by Ready, Set Podcast. Man, they make it super easy. They take care of the recording, the editing, and the publishing. They can record on location or they can even do it remotely over the internet. So if you've got a great idea for a podcast, look them up, ReadySetPodcast.xyz. Or you can find them on Facebook or even Instagram. Ready, Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again for visiting Insurance Town. Hope to see you again next time. <laughs>